This morning we're going to pick up in our sermon series, In Need of a Prophet, uh, picking up where we left off in the middle of chapter 22 of 1 Kings. And at the beginning of my sermon, I'll explain where we've been and, and fill us in in the background to this. But let's go ahead and begin with this. The words will be on the screen behind me, or if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bibles, they are found on page number 358. This morning we'll be reading uh, chapter 22, verses 13 through 28. Starting again in 1 Kings chapter 22, the 13th verse, we hear, And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord, behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And Micaiah answered him, Go up and triumph. The Lord will go with you into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times shall I take you, uh, shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he, Micaiah, said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing beside him in the right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out, and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenaniah, came near and struck Micaiah in the cheek and said, How did the spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, hear all you peoples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
the last time that I preached in the sermon series that I've called In Need of a Prophet in 1 Kings 22, I started out by talking about those times in our lives when we have a choice that is before us, but in that choice, it's not very clear immediately which way we ought to go, how we should choose, and there seems to be a decision before us that we, we aren't exactly sure which way to go, and, and either way, it seems like it will be okay. And in looking at that text, I, I warned against the temptation of confirmation bias. Then looking for an answer and for direction, we just surround ourselves with people that will prod us along in the direction that we want to go from the very beginning. And to avoid that and make sure that we are giving room for the voice of God to speak into our lives in order to direct us. Now, while there are those circumstances in life, there are other times where we do have an answer about what choice we ought to make. And yet, we still have that choice on whether or not we're going to listen to that answer. Every time we get into a car as a driver, we know how fast we are allowed to drive on all of the roads that we are on. But then we have the choice. Are we going to obey the speed limit or not? Students, when you study for a test and, and you didn't quite get everything in your head and you don't feel fully prepared and there's a question right there that you're not sure about the answer, you know that it would be wrong to look over at your neighbor to see if you can peek at what they wrote. But are you going to do that or, or not? When you get older and you ask your parents, hey, can I go here or can I do that or can I have this thing? And, and your parents give an answer to that question. Do you accept that answer? Or do you try to start to find ways around? Maybe it was dad that said no. So if you ask mom, maybe she'll say yes and you can play them off of each other. You know the rules, the regulations that govern your workplaces, but the question is, when those things seem to be a hindrance or get in the way of productivity, are you going to abide by those regulations or are you just going to ignore them? In life, there are times when we aren't sure what the right thing to do is, but there are lots of other times when we do have an answer about how we should act. But when we don't like that answer, we will often ignore it or we will try to find a way around that answer. And we do that with all kinds of authority in life and oftentimes we can even do that with God. As I mentioned, the last time we preached in 1 Kings 22, I, I mentioned that at the beginning of the sermon, but that was several weeks ago, and we're blessed to have several visitors here this morning. So let me go back and kind of remind us of where we are in the context that this middle of the chapter, uh, where we are at. On a broad perspective in 1 Kings, we are at this point in chapters 20 to 22 that reveal just how terrible of a king Ahab was. In chapter 20, although he was blessed by God to win great victories against the Syrians, he didn't finish that battle by taking the life of their leader, Ben-Hadad. In chapter 21, when Ahab saw a vineyard that Naboth owned next to his property and he wanted it, he took it by taking the life of Naboth. 
And in response to both of those events, a prophet came forward and told Ahab, because of your wickedness and refusal to obey the word of the Lord, your life will be taken. And now we're in chapter 22. And chapter 22 began with the king of of Israel, Ahab, meeting with the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat. And together, Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, there's this city on our northeastern border that uh, used to belong to us, and we want it back. Syria has not been faithful to their covenant, and so I want to go get it. Will you join me in battle? And with that desire, Jehoshaphat said, well, let's ask the prophets to see what to do. The direction isn't quite clear. And so Ahab gathers 400 prophets together. And with one voice, their response to the question of whether or not to go is the same. Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. However, Jehoshaphat is able to recognize that these prophets aren't prophets of the Lord. And so he asked Ahab, well, isn't there a prophet of the Lord that we can consult? And Ahab answers, there is one, this guy named Micaiah, but I don't like him. I don't like him because everything he prophesies is against me. He prophesies evil evil for me rather than good. But he does agree to send off a messenger to go off and get Micaiah. And while they're waiting for his return, Ahab and, and Jehoshaphat sit on their thrones outside of the city. And while sitting there, another prophet named Zedekiah, who built these iron horns, walks up to them and he puts on this dramatic display of how, like these iron horns, they are going to go and wipe out the Syrians and reclaim the city. Now, that's where our text for this morning picks up. The messenger goes off to get Micaiah. And while he is bringing Micaiah back to the presence of the kings, he lets Micaiah know that all of the other prophets have said the very same thing. And assuming that Micaiah can change or manipulate the prophecy or the words that he's going to speak, he tells Micaiah, make sure what you say is in line with what everybody else already has said. But being a good prophet and a good preacher, Micaiah responds that he doesn't manipulate the message. He will only be able to speak what the Lord tells him to speak. Which surprises us because not that much longer when he is in the presence of the king. And again, Ahab asks the question, should we go up in battle against Ramoth Gilead or not? Micaiah does give the very same answer as all of the other prophets. He says, go up and triumph. The Lord will get, give into the hand of the king Now, either because this is something that's played out before, as is suggested in verse 16, or because of the tone of Micaiah's voice, Ahab doesn't believe Micaiah. And I'll address that more in just a bit. But once Ahab does challenge Micaiah, we get the real report. He says first in verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. In essence, Micaiah is saying that if you go into this battle, Ahab, you are going to die. You are going to leave Israel without a leader. And actually, it's probably going to be better for Israel because they will return to their homes in peace 
rather than living in the constant chaos and conflict that they've been under with you as their king. Ahab takes this as evidence and proof that his prophecy about Micaiah always giving him negative uh, reports is true. But Micaiah is not done. And he continues in verses 19 through 23, describing a scene reminiscent of the scene of Ahab and Jehoshaphat sitting on their thrones. The scene of God sitting on his throne in heaven with a war council. And the point of the council is to entice Ahab to engage in this battle so that he will die in this battle. The spirit said that he would do this, he would accomplish this by going out and being a lying spirit in the voice of all of the prophets. Now with that background, already we've got a number of very challenging things in this text that need at least a little bit of consideration and attention. So let's dig into some of the harder parts of what we've explored. Let's start by looking back at Micaiah's initial promise to say only what God told him to say, but then giving him the same report as everybody else. Why was his first answer, go up and you'll win? And again, it seems like it was clear to Ahab that Micaiah wasn't being straightforward. So some commentators suggest that Micaiah was clearly being sarcastic in his tone and his, in his expression. If the messenger only wanted Micaiah to say everything that everyone else was saying, then okay, Micaiah can do that. He can be a yes man. But in a more serious level, it appears that Micaiah did this to highlight that no matter what was said, this was all that Ahab wanted to hear, and this is all that Ahab would hear. Ahab didn't really want to hear the word of the Lord. That's the truth that's getting exposed in Micaiah and will continue to be revealed as we work our way through the rest of the chapter. But when Micaiah does bring God's word, not only is it a word of death and, and, and warning, but what, we do, but what do we do with this vision of God trying to entice Ahab to his death and to do so through a lying spirit? How do we handle that? Well, to start, some commentaries suggest that we, and, and rightly so, recognize that this is a vision of the prophet. And we do need to understand that's exactly what it is. That like some of the parables of Jesus, we have to be careful that as parables, how much we draw out of the implications of those parables. I think, for example, of the parable of the, the rich man and Lazarus. Is that really what heaven and hell are like, or is this just part of the story of the parable? And as a vision of God, we want to be careful of drawing too many implications from it and just recognize that this was primarily given to convey a particular point and a particular message. But in that point, why did God want to entice Ahab to his death? And the answer to that is to fulfill the prophecies that had already been given in verses 20 and chapters 20 and 21. In last week's scene... Again, we saw Ahab and Jehoshaphat sitting on their thrones outside of the city, trying to figure out how they could reclaim a city that they wanted. But at the very same time, 
we now learn that God is on his throne in heaven and he is working to reclaim the nation of Israel from this king that has been leading them astray. It's a very interesting passage when it comes to God's control over things. God is on his throne. No matter what other kings sitting on whatever other thrones think about what they can do and how they can oppose the will of God, in the end, God's way and his will will happen. But in that, from Ahab's earthly perspective, he was acting according to what he wanted. He was the only one making this choice, but his choice that he was making was going to lead him exactly where God had wanted him to be. Ahab had been warned and told that his life was forfeit for the errors of the past, and this will be the means by which Ahab meets his judgment for his failures as a king. God decreed it, and Ahab will walk right into that path. But in that, again, it can also be troubling of this idea of a lying spirit in order to entice Ahab. Does God lie to us in order to manipulate us? And this is where we have to be very careful in reading and in the details of the text. First of all, while the distinction is subtle, it's very important. God does not lie, but he allows for this lying spirit to go forth in the voice of the prophets. But in the end, Ahab is clearly culpable for the choice that he makes, a choice that he has made with all of the information available. Because as much as we can worry and wonder about this lying spirit from this vision, let's look at the reality of what happens. Again, at the very beginning, this whole situation, Ahab has a choice before him. Do we go up against Ramoth Gilead in battle? Or do we not? And in trying to make that choice, we know several things. We know Ahab's heart. We know that he's frustrated with the lack of Ben-Hadad and following through on his covenant to him. And that he wants this city back. That is his desire. Secondly, we know that Ahab has had that bias confirmed with all kinds of voices surrounding him. There are plenty of people that are willing to say, that's exactly what you should do. That's the right choice to make. But now he's also heard from Micaiah. He has heard the word of the Lord, which revealed that if he went forward with this battle, then he will lose his life leaving Israel without a shepherd. But what is more, Micaiah has also explained to him exactly why all of those other prophets were saying the same thing, that they were false prophets lying to him. And so I agree wholeheartedly with the NIV application commentary on this text that says, this is not a situation of being unknowingly misled. There, this is Ahab and Jehoshaphat's deception, lies in the belief that they can deny the word of Yahweh and still succeed. And so if Ahab is deceived, that's the level where he's being deceived. He had all of the information that he would need. He had heard the word of the Lord, just like he said he wanted to hear in verse 18, 
But he thought that despite that word, he could still find a way around it and still be victorious. Well, nobody likes the word that Micaiah has to say. And Zedekiah, this prophet that had made these horns and put on this fancy demonstration of how they were going to win the battle, he walks up in a very culturally rude gesture, slaps Micaiah across the face. And he says, well, who do you think you are that God's speaking through you and not through me? We have two prophets here. They're saying the opposite thing, and the question is, well, who is right and how do we know? And fortunately, God's word has given us a test. In Deuteronomy 18, it speaks at the end of that chapter about prophets. And in verse 22, it says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken, in, has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. And so the only thing that will reveal which prophet is true is time. And Micaiah says as much. He's not afraid of it. As much as Zedekiah is challenging him, he tells Zedekiah, you're going to know the truth when that day comes and you're hiding in your inner room, afraid for your very life because of what takes place. And Ahab, if you come back in peace, then I was wrong. But it's not going to happen. And as they wait for time to reveal the truth, Micaiah is sentenced to prison for speaking that truth, where he's going to be given meager sustenance in the meantime. So here's where we're at. Ahab has this big question, but Ahab also has all of the information before him. But we're going to have to wait until next week to find out exactly what Ahab ends up deciding, all though I would guess almost all of us know exactly what Ahab is going to choose. But less than worrying about the choice that Ahab is going to make, I want us to worry about the choice that we will make. Each and every day of our lives, we are confronted with decisions that we have to make. And as we said the last time we look at this text, sometimes the way forward is not clear. And it, doesn't, it isn't clear which direction to go. And, and we need the input and the voice of God to guide us. But in lots of those times, big and small decisions, God can be glorified either way we go. But there are plenty of other times where we have all of the information. We know what our hearts want. We know where we are prone to go, what our desires are, where our flesh is leading us, that if it was up to us, this is the decision we would make on our own. And as we said last time, we can also surround ourselves with plenty of other voices that will confirm what we want to hear. They're voices of our friends pressuring us to do what they want us to do. The voices of culture that says, yeah, this is fine, this is acceptable, let's go forward. The voices of others that have faced the same temptation and they found ways around the rules and the regulations. And then we have God's word, which like in our text is often one present but quiet voice 
that reveals clearly the truth of the matter. What a great blessing in life is the scriptures, is God's word. As was confessed in the profession of faith this morning, they stood and they were asked, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? It is the only true place that we can go where we can reveal and, and know who God is. It's the only place that we can understand how that great and powerful king who created the whole universe and us has designed and instructed us how we are to live in the world that he has created as he has created us. Giving us the path toward the best, most blessed life possible. And so, if we want to tell a lie to get out of a problem, we know what God's word says about that. If we want to steal, whether walking right out of a store with something that we didn't purchase or taking an answer off of somebody else's test or manipulating our quotes so that we are defrauding people of money by exaggerating the estimates and, and building up our own finances we know what God's word says about stealing. When we see a need, and we say, well, you know, I'm not the person to handle that. It's going to take a lot of time, and I don't want to get into that messy situation. We know what God calls us to do in regards to the poor, the widow, and the hurting. And I can go on and on with example after example, but in each one of those instances, when you have all of the information, the question is, based on what are you going to make the choice that lays before you? Which voice will you listen to? Will you heed the word of the Lord? Or will you ignore it? Or will you assume that, well, you can find a way around it? When Jesus was on this earth, he said and he revealed that he did nothing apart from the will of his Father. In each and every one of the choices that he faced, day in, day out, moment by moment, every one of the choices that he made was in line with his Father's will, even when... Obeying that will and that word was hard. The hardest thing that he could do. He did it. And because of his obedience, when we fail to fully obey, as we all will, we now know that we can turn to Christ and, and be restored and find forgiveness and find healing. But do we stand? And do we say, we believe this is the word of God? But when it comes to our choices, pretend like we never heard it. Do we look at the ascended Savior, Jesus Christ, sitting at the right hand of the Father on his throne, and we say, I know that you did everything and sacrificed everything for me and for my salvation, but I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to follow the words and the encouragement of the culture of those around us. Or will we not just hear, but will we listen to the word of God? 
Will we do what we heard in the call to worship and recognize that in God's word is the path to life and salvation? Will we do what we sang, celebrate the goodness of God, recognizing that he has been faithful and his word is true, and therefore, when we obey that word, we will find the goodness of God? Will we do like we say as cadets in John 14, verse 15, recognize that if we truly do love Jesus, we will keep his commandments? Again, the question for us is the same question that was before Ahab. Do you really want to hear the word of the Lord? And when you hear it, will you listen? And like I said, while we will wait to see the choice that Ahab ends up making, and all of the, fa- the decisions that are going to face you in this coming week, the bigger question is what decision will you make? And all those little and big choices, how much room does God's word have in your voice? And should we, be very, we should be very careful of ever getting to the point where hearing God's word is just a mere formality, uh, giving him permission to have some input, but we know we're going to go our own way in the end. It's been laid before you. You have all of the information. What choice will you make? Amen. Let's pray. First and foremost, O oh Lord, I want to thank you for your word, for not leaving us in the dark to wander our way through this life, not knowing what is right or what is wrong or constantly being at the whims of our desires of our hearts. I want to thank you for your guidance and for your revelation. I want to also thank you for what you accomplished for us through Christ, for the example that he set in his obedience, and for the sacrifice he offered, which allows for our forgiveness. And in response to his good actions to us, our great prayer is, O Lord, through your spirit, you will guide us by your word, that we would not only hear its truth proclaimed in our lives, but whenever and however it directs, that is how we act. Forgive us when we fail, convict us when we are tempted, and guide us, O Lord, so that when you speak, we answer. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.